In Trump time, truth, straight, no chaser, the definitive insider's account of the White House of Trump. Peter Navarro's In Trump Time War Room is brought to you by Getter, the Twitter killer. Sign up for Getter today and strike a blow against cancel culture. Getter, the Twitter killer, an ultimate in social media engagement. Now here's Dr. Peter Navarro deep in the D.C. swamp from the In Trump Time War Room. Hi, I'm Peter Navarro, and welcome to episode 30 in the In Trump Time podcast. There's no question that this podcast will be one of the most important that I will ever do. This is the podcast that exposes beyond any shadow of a doubt Vice President Mike Pence for the traitor he is to President Trump. Even as this podcast reveals the treacherous Mark Short to be the puppet master behind the Mike Pence betrayal. Just how am I going to show you this? Quite simply by playing you key audio excerpts from chapter 21 of my In Trump Time book, which is published on Audible and Amazon as an audiobook. As you listen to these excerpts, I will explain how Mark Short worked for years for the infamous Coke Network, aka the Koch Brothers, pushing a rhino Coke agenda that is so contrary to the populist economic nationalism of the Trump agenda. In a nutshell, Mark Short was the tip of the spear for a Koch empire maniacally focused on opening our borders and offshoring American jobs, all in the name of cheap labor. And yes, a lot of that American manufacturing base went to China because of the Koch brothers and Mark Short. In these excerpts from the In Trump Time audio book, you will also see how the truly incompetent Mark Short wound up first getting fired from the White House and then coming back as Vice President Pence's Chief of Staff. At that point, Mark Short became the de facto Vice President and Pence became merely his puppet. And that's on Mike. Shame on you, Mike, for even allowing such an apostate like Mark Short in the Trump White House. Now, here's the most important thing I can tell you about all of this. Yes, there may be reasonable disagreements between constitutional law scholars as to whether Mike Pence had the authority as president of the Senate to remand all of the illegal votes back to the battleground states as the Green Bay sweep strategy entailed. By the way, this thing I'm calling the Green Bay sweep will be explained in the audio excerpts as well. But here's the important point. The truly treasonous act of Mike Pence and Mark Short and the Vice President's General Counsel, Greg Jacob, was to not share with either the President or the White House Legal Counsel the legal analysis of the Vice President's office, which would lead the puppet Mike Pence by his Pinocchio nose to the Pence betrayal of Trump. Let me be very, very clear about this. Mike Pence had a clear and solemn duty, both to the president and the 74 million people who voted for Donald Trump in 2020, to share his legal analysis and to discuss his concerns with both the president and the White House legal counsel before 
before, before January 6th. That Pence and Mark Short hid that analysis until releasing it publicly on January 6th was the essence of the Pence betrayal. My point, Pence was not a man who had a legitimate disagreement with Donald Trump, aired freely and in advance of January 6th. Mike Pence was a man who hid from Trump what we now know to be the Pence team's own flawed legal analysis and simply stuck the knife in the back of a man who had rescued Pence from the brink of political oblivion and been nothing but kind to him. You know when a guy like Mark Short is wrong when only the left wing will use them as a useful idiot to bash Donald Trump. Are you listening, Jake Tapper and CNN? All right, as the boss loves to say, let's go. This segment of the In Trump Time podcast is brought to you by Steve Bannon's War Room. Join Bannon's War Room posse and get tomorrow's news today. All signal, no noise. Bannon's War Room. Chapter 21, The Democrats' Unrestricted Lawfare and Art of the Steel. I follow him to serve my turn upon him, not I for love and duty, but seeming so for my peculiar end. Iago in Othello, Act 1, Scene 1. And I hope Mike is going to do the right thing. I hope so. Because if Mike Pence does the right thing, we win the election. He has the absolute right to do it. All Vice President Pence has to do is send it back to the states to recertify. And we become president, and you are the happiest people. Donald J. Trump, January 6th, 2021. D-Day, Green Bay Sweep, zero, dark 30. As dawn breaks on a raw and windy Washington, D.C., and the sun tries in vain to fight its way through the gathering storm clouds hanging low over the National Mall, the last three people on God's good earth who want to see violence erupt on Capitol Hill this sixth day of January are Stephen K. Bannon, myself, and President Donald John Trump. To pull off an operation Bannon has dubbed the Green Bay Sweep and thereby keep President Trump in the White House for a second term, we must have only peace and calm on Capitol Hill. This Green Bay Sweep will be our last best chance to snatch a stolen election from the Democrats' jaws of deceit. And the last thing we want is to hand Congress an excuse to abort the operation. If you are a football fan, you know Coach Vince Lombardi's original 1960s version of this sweep. With the deafness of a magician, Green Bay quarterback Bart Starr handed the ball off to halfback Paul Horning, who, with the subtlety of a hammer seeking a five-pound nail, headed for the end zone behind a phalanx of blockers. In Steve Bannon's political version of this sweep, Vice President Mike Pence will play the role of Team Trump's designated quarterback. And on this sixth day of January, after the U.S. Congress convenes sometime around 1 p.m. to certify the presidential election results, Pence, as president of the Senate, will hand the ball off 
to various pro-Trump members of Congress. More than a hundred have signed up for the fight. The goal is not to get the election overturned today. The goal is to subject the ballots, the legal votes of American citizens, along with what we believe to be a flood of illegal ballots, to careful scrutiny and investigation. Of course, for all of this to work, Pence must assert his constitutional power as Senate president. He must put certification of the election on ice for at least another several weeks while Congress and the various state legislatures involved investigate all of the fraud and election irregularities that will be raised today on Capitol Hill. On this cold, momentous day, I shiver as I think to myself, January 6th will be either Mike Pence's finest hour or the traitorous et tu brute end to both his and Donald Trump's political careers. It has certainly been no secret around the West Wing that the vice president is under tremendous pressure from his own chief of staff, Mark Short, to throw in the Trump towel. If today does indeed end in Shakespearean tragedy, Short will play the role of Iago. Mark Short's peculiar end will be as it always has been in his lobbying career, to advance the interests of a globalist Koch network that staunchly opposes the populist Trump. This is a Koch organization from which Mark Short has drawn so many paychecks. The political beauty of the Green Bay sweep. While my role in challenging the election outcome had been to carefully document the fraud and myriad election irregularities, Steve Bannon's role was to figure out how to use this information, what he called the receipts, to overturn the election result. That's how Steve had come up with the Green Bay sweep idea. The political and legal beauty of the strategy was this. By law, both the House of Representatives and the Senate must spend up to two hours of debate per state on each requested challenge. For the six battleground states, that would add up to as much as 24 hours of nationally televised hearings across the two chambers of Congress. Through these televised proceedings, we would finally be able to short-circuit the crushing censorship of the anti-Trump media and take our case directly to the American people. Of course, to quote the great John Steinbeck, quoting the very good Scottish poet Robert Burns, the best laid plans of mice and Trump's men often go awry. Truth be told here, today's operation is as much a Hail Mary as it is a Green Bay sweep. It is President Trump's best and perhaps final shot at shining a blaring spotlight on all of the election irregularities and fraud we had uncovered in our investigation. Yet, its success or failure will all hinge on quarterback Mike. In assessing the odds of a Pence betrayal, my thoughts turned to the trajectory of my own relationship with V. POTUS over the last four years. From the very first day I met Mike, he was always kind and complimentary to me. He particularly liked my feistiness on TV and would often remark positively on my verbal jousts with anti-Trump antagonists 
like Jake Tapper and Chris Wallace. One time, the VP even did a pretty spot-on impression of me and my hand gestures, and it was warmly hilarious. During the first several years of the administration, I often met with Mike in the vice president's office in the West Wing. There, as I would sit forward on one of his couches with my notes and charts, V. POTUS would sit ramrod straight in his chair. I would then brief him on anything from China's seven deadly unfair trade sins to my progress on rebuilding the Philly shipyard. To his credit, V. POTUS would always have read whatever material I had sent him the night before at his Naval Observatory residence, and he was always a quick study. My relationship with Mike Pence would turn, however, on a thin Coke dime as soon as Mark Short walked back into the building on March 1, 2019, to take over the job as the vice president's chief of staff from Nick Ayers. Short had been fired from his job as White House Legislative Affairs Director for incompetence just a year earlier. With Short's second coming, it was like the Soviet Union taking over Eastern Europe. As an iron coat curtain fell over the vice president, the only way you could speak to V. POTUS was to go through Short. And in this particular West Wing version of a Catch-22, Short would never allow you to speak to him. My anxiety over Pence's possible disloyalty had been heightened over the last week by the fact that the vice president had repeatedly refused to take my phone calls about the raft of election irregularities, despite a direct request from President Trump to do so. In what was the single most bizarre 60 seconds of my tour at the White House, I had gotten a call from the Situation Room several days earlier informing me the vice president was on the line and they wished to connect me. When I said, of course, the connection was made and I heard, Mr. Vice President, Mr. Navarro is now on the line. Then, to my bewilderment and chagrin, it was crickets as the connection was immediately broken. When I called back to the sit-room to get Mike back on the line, I was informed that V. POTUS would get back to me. He never did. Now, Donald Trump's best chance to take back an election that was almost certainly stolen is in the hands of a man he thought he could trust who is increasingly the odds-on favorite to betray him. An eerie calm before a bizarre storm. When I reach the Capitol Hill perimeter, it is only lightly guarded by an improvised barrier knitted together with bike racks, loose fencing, and a smattering of Capitol Hill police. In the cold mist, nothing seems amiss. There is no massive crowd, nothing aggressive about anyone I see. If anything, it is eerily quiet, with nothing to foreshadow what is to come. Convinced that all is well in Trump land, and that the Green Bay sweep is ready to roll, I do not linger at the fence. Instead, I turn west once again, run back to 7th Street, and then walk north towards home and lunch. At 1.15 p.m., National Public Radio issues this news update. Republicans seeking to overturn President-elect Joe Biden's win in the November election have moved to challenge the results from Arizona as Congress begins the usually pro forma process of counting each state's electors. I breathe a big sigh of relief. 
Our Green Bay sweep has begun exactly as planned. But even as the Green Bay sweep starts flawlessly, it is also all beginning to unravel. As more and more protesters gather at the improvised fence around the Capitol, the Capitol Hill police inexplicably offer little resistance. Some of these police officers even open the gates to let protesters onto the grounds. In the ensuing chaos, Pence will be whisked away by Secret Service agents. Congressmen and senators will scatter to the Capitol Hill building subway tunnels that will take them to safety. And when this gaggle of conniving politicians all reconvene this night at 8 p.m., Pence, in league with Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, will use the excuse of the violence on Capitol Hill to halt any further attempt to challenge the election results. In this inglorious way, the Green Bay sweep will end with either a fumble, a sack, or an interception. Choose your own football metaphor. But any way you phrase it, Michael Richard Pence will have secured his place in history as the Brutus most responsible both for the final betrayal of President Trump and the unceremonious burial of election integrity. In the wake of the Capitol Hill riot, putative Trump loyalists, such as Larry Kudlow, Steve Mnuchin, and Mick Mulvaney, subsequently join a chorus of Democrats condemning the president. And the fall of the White House of Trump is complete. Or so it looks at the darkest end of that grim day. A full frontal lawfare assault. Given how these events unfolded, it should be clear why Stephen K. Bannon, myself, and Donald John Trump were the last three people on God's good earth who wanted to see violence erupt that January 6th day on Capitol Hill. For it was this violence that finally put an abrupt end to any hope the president had for taking back an election likely stolen from him and from the more than 74 million Americans who voted for him. Well, thanks for listening to this podcast. And please remember, the audio excerpts you just heard are from my book, In Trump Time. That audio book is available on both Amazon and Audible. So give the rest of the book a spin if you liked what you just heard. In the meantime, please write a review of this podcast and hit the subscribe button. We need to get the message out very clear. And the message today is that Mike Pence should have no future in Republican presidential politics. And Mark Short, he should never darken the door of any legitimate Republican organization. Although I'm sure Mark Short will be welcome on CNN anytime. Enough said. Look around, but tell me what you see every day. More people in the street Said I used 
to work in a factory Right now I'd work for anything Oh Oh On me, but my family I wish to feed. Not much, but we got simple needs. Too bad they sent our jobs away. In China, they're not workers, they're just slaves. People wait. It's a world of trade and greed And the CEOs get richer And our jobs all move offshore Oh, 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 oh.